But I guess in my role, what I need to make sure I don't do is to say it's it's all kind of cookie cutter and we'll get to this, you know, very homogenized digital world. Our job is still about kind of enabling that brilliance and enabling that the academic to connect even better with their students using technology. This week on Tech Talks, we are talking to Andy Smith, the CIO at UCL. And it's a two-part interview, the first part of which we talk all about becoming a CIO of an organisation when you can't physically get there. And the second part, all about actually what he's trying to do and how he's trying to build that team and connect it to the mission of the organisation. This is Tech Talks. It's your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, powered by the Harvey Nash Group, where we bring you thoughts and comments from leaders across the industry and a little bit of technology news. Avid listeners will know that I'm in Ibiza and Akisha's hungover because we're recording the third episode <laughs> on the same morning. On the it's same like morning. stuck in some, we're, some we're, Groundhog Day. We're having an absolute marathon this morning, aren't we? Yeah. What are we going to talk about now? We can talk about the fact that the test match has been cancelled. Fortunately, well, unfortunately, I think it's it all kind of seems to be going back round into a circle. I don't know. Hopefully not. Hopefully, yeah. It, it, well, I know. I say that with a very sad face, but... Do do we know, by the way, what this means? Because India are unable to field a team this morning, right? By the time yeah. this goes out, everyone, this is going to be very old news and very boring. But um, right now, it's very interesting. Um, uh, does that mean that England get given the match? Or is it just null and void? It's a I bit think, harsh on England. Because yeah. I, I think they would have looked at that as a, as a fixture they could win to level the series. Yeah, I think, I think it started off as a forfeit. But then because of COVID... Um, I think they haven't given it as a forfeit and it is now it's kind of just a, a null and void like cancelled basically yeah, just that's rubbish very bad actually very very bad um, but I think it's it's yeah just because Covid was going around the Indian camp like the rate of knots I think which yeah. is weird which is very weird I don't understand it like they're meant to be living in these bubbles and all this sort of stuff and then suddenly it's just Game over. Kicked off. Mm. Right. Anyway, from one Old Trafford, that's an institution. English cricket, very much an institution. From 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 a couple of institutions to another. UCL, as you'll know, we were doing uh, a two-parter this week with Andy Smith, the CIO, talking about the role of the CIO and and starting a new role in the pandemic in the first part. This is all about team building, about the mission. This is all about making sure that you empower um, and drive a sense of partnership. So we'll hand over to this and then we'll we'll have some comments on it afterwards. Now, I graduated 15 years ago, (laughs) which is not a dramatic amount of time, I suppose, but it's, it's beginning to feel like a reasonable length of time. But when I went to university, we didn't have smartphones, but we did have mobile phones and, and you know, the internet was largely kind of how it is now in, in some regards. Um, all right, streaming in quite the same way wasn't there. But I, I feel that whilst technology has evolved, kind of the, the, the pieces were there that we kind of would recognize today. But tech back at university, from, from my perspective, was very much that that wholly traditional support function you know we'd have an av function in the lecture theaters we'd have but everyone would be would be note-taking on on you know in in pads Uh, and the computer labs you know you'd go onto campus and there would be computer rooms where someone would come along and provide support um and it, it it did have that kind of very traditional almost it crowd view of it. 
right um so how do you how how is how is that uh evolved i mean obviously the technology has evolved but to to be a position now where you are a true partner across the university and make sure i suppose that that you're not viewed by students who may who may have an you know they 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 aren't familiar with the way that technology is used i suppose in enterprise and they might have a slightly traditional view of of the technology department because of cultural influences that are slightly out of date or because of the way that technology is presented to them in school yeah 15 years i was a little longer ago for me so you know maybe <laughs> even more dated viewpoint um so i, th- I think it, it has evolved i mean I, I think we can't get away from at the base. We 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 do provide a service, and we provide a service to students. Um, I think what how we're trying to reorientate is to really orientate around sort of digital journeys. So it's not you know thinking about just you know prov- pro- you know providing you know the basics, providing a laptop or you know getting their email to work. It's um, thinking about the key journeys as a student, everything from the first touch with the university, from the recruitment process, through enrollment, um, through really kind of getting started in in their faculty, um, that we kind of map that out. um, And we actually think about it from an experience standpoint. Um, We understand the user needs, we understand what um, the, the student is looking for in that experience. And that's very much done in partnership. That's not my team, you know, in a darkened room. It's us working with, you know, kind of the key parts, the registry, the key other parts of the university to um, to deliver that and evolve that o- over time. Um, so I, I think that's part of, of the puzzle. Um, I, I think it's then, you know, actually... W- I feel like I'm a CIO at a good time, right? You know, because mm-hmm. you know it, it used to be CIOs. There was so much heavy lifting, right? You know, so much time spent on your ERP and your that you never really had time for anything else. Um, and I think some of that has got a bit easier, um, not not completely, but a bit. Um, and you know, our job in some ways is harnessing the power of, you know, whether those are cloud-based services, other things, other people have built, um, and putting them together for your organization in the right way. Um, so I guess part of my role, I think, is is harnessing what's available in the marketplace, um, making sure it sit, fits in a university context, providing the glue or the kind of the connective tissue that makes it kind of work from an experience standpoint. So that's really kind of a bit how I'm trying to direct my organization is let's not build everything ourselves. Um, and some, you know, university researchers, a bit like engineers, do like to build things themselves. Let's harness the cloud, let's harness the marketplace, and let's focus our energy on the sort of differentiating extra bits um, that will be most important to realize value for the university. I say this with a great degree of uh, sensitivity. Because, <laughs> um, obviously, the pandemic has been awful uh, on both the human uh, uh, and societal kind of cost front. But is there an element that, that some, of, some of the changes that were enforced were quite helpful from a, from a technology standpoint? Because if I, if I think about the fact that you've come from the commercial world, even, even in an enterprise organization, adopting technology that has already been deployed is not always particularly easy. And my view having spent a year working in a university of perhaps teaching faculties might be that academics aren't always the most forward thinking when it comes to things like tech, but because everyone had been forced into this situation, 
they've had to understand the role that technology can provide in, in helping an institution remain alive when these 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 very old institutions are normally these these uh, you know these academic bodies where where everyone has been together yeah and you know uh, you say the, the pandemic has been you know very tough right for lots of people and affected people in lots of ways and i think it's important to start with that and saying you know it's not it's not an opportunity to exploit it's been a horrid mm. thing um but it's happened um and i think in some areas it has allowed us to move more quickly i mean and in a more concerted way i mean we have a brilliant set of academics who have lots of ideas right about how they want to teach and how they want to communicate their expertise to students the challenge you get often is that it's that they're quite different ideas um and so trying to do things in a more joined up or concerted way can be challenging and I think what the pandemic has allowed us to provide uh, is a kind of better digital platform to still not taking away, uh, I guess, that primacy for the academic to, to deliver their material in the way that they want. Um, we can provide, um, I guess, more digital support. And we've been able to go faster at, you know, for example, um, you know, making sure that a lot of our material is available online in a more standardized way. Um, that definitely was aided by the pandemic. Um, but I guess in my role, what I need to make sure I don't do is to say it's it's all kind of cookie cutter and we'll get to this, you know, very homogenized digital world. Mm -hmm. Our job is still about kind of enabling that brilliance and enabling that the academic to connect even better with their students using technology. Has, has it been to a degree empowering for your team because they've been able to do that for people? I think they certainly feel... Um, for some, you know, they've been listened to in a way that maybe they weren't as fully before. They've been trying to, you know, get across an agenda, a digital education agenda, for example, that was challenging and that people, you know, didn't always make time for. And now all of a sudden, you know, they've been really acknowledged and recognized for the critical role they've played in the pandemic. Um, so, you know, that's great, as, as well as the infrastructure teams who've, you know, pretty much mean, meant the university hasn't skipped a beat. Um, despite the fact that people weren't on campus and they've they've had you know that's been fantastic to see how they've been acknowledged and you know and recognized for, for doing a role that maybe up to that point had been a bit more invisible now whilst we stay on that front how have you found team building and 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 you know as a new cio coming into an organization getting to know your 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 uh, your team is it must have been challenging enough i was i was chatting to a cio actually recently who was in charge of one of the large betting and gaming companies that then suddenly found himself thrust into a position where he was in charge of five betting and gaming companies because of an amalgamation at group level right and was kind of talking to 400 people that he'd never met on a on a zoom call and obviously can't see them so so team building is obviously i'd imagine being a challenge for any technology leader coming into a new role especially in lockdown and what methodologies or what practices have enabled you to to do that successfully yeah it's been tough um and you know hard, you know absolutely not been able to do all the things that you would do right in in a normal world um and I, i've missed the the chance in, you know, to be, seen, be in the same physical environment as my team, to have those little kind of social contact, coffee room contact. Um, and, you know, obviously we've tried to replicate some of that online. Um, but I guess what I found is, you know, I've got to know my senior team very well and hours of team schools and um, 
but it, it's harder to get at the depth um, within the organization. Um, I've done a couple of kind of grassroots things. Um, we've created a group called um, Game Changers. So a group of people within my organization who are um, you know, really trying to make things better you know, pursue improvement ideas. So I guess I've tried to find some direct connection techniques to a wider group of people and finding some topics to engage them in um, that allow, you know, some some exposure that isn't just the sort of management layers, um, but not perfect. Um, and, you know, I'm really keen to get back to the office. I'm really keen to have um, a more normal experience. And we're, we're gradually trying to... Um, you know, encourage that and, you know, not not back to five days a week, but kind of getting teams back in and just starting to explore how we use the office to get different sorts of collaboration going again. Mm. Just out of interest, and, and this is a, a kind of a, a slight side note, getting people back into the office, collaboration, yes. Is the office necessarily the most productive place to be? Um, I think it depends what work you're doing. So I, mean, I think we've mm-hmm. learned, to, you know, in the pandemic, there's lots of work that can be done incredibly well at home efficiently without you know the 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 time for commute and can be balanced with people's work and home life you know and i think we're never going back from that uh, at least certainly won't we won't in ucl um so i you know i i I want people to come to the office um for things that will be genuinely beneficial to them you know be fun um you know energetic um and I think as well, um, you know, we have communities of practice, we have, you know, more junior and more senior people working together. I think we do need to look after uh, the more junior members of the team, the more recently arrived members of the team, because they don't have the same set of connections. If you're a 40 something person who've been in the organization for 15 years and you're doing quite technical work, you probably could mostly be at home. Um, yeah. But that's that's you know actually not for me optimizing the whole you know I, I want we are a campus university there's an energy that comes with that and I think there's an energy in people coming together physically so I want to encourage that and we want to find the right balance um, for the work and it will will vary I think team by team in, in terms of giving your team a, a pathway or a vision to follow I mean each each institution has its own very separate identity um, and if I think within my my own family, I'm I'm quite fortunate. I come from a family where my parents went to university as well as my sister and I. And so we, all of us have different university experiences. But have you been able to instill a sense of belief around how you're how you're operating within HE and and what you're trying to do as a team that might be slightly different, I suppose, from other institutions? I I suppose I suppose this flood onto onto platforms might have stripped away some of those more individual uh, ways of working that, that traditionally you would have seen come through at a, at a physical institution. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got, I've got a great team um, and, you know, we have a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, as, as we talked about earlier, I really want to connect them to the university's mission, which for me is often then not them, you know, connecting wires together in a server room. It's being part of a kind of university-facing product team. So bringing our, our, our people together into into product teams, into you know, into par- closer partnership with other parts of the university, helping them to work directly with users to solve problems, um, I, th- I think is incredibly helpful. Relying on you know cloud-based infrastructure, other you know uh, you know major platforms 
I think is really helpful to get our teams onto um, to feel closer to the university um, and actually part of moving at a greater pace. I think historically there have been barriers, um, the way university finance finances have worked or people processes um, has meant change. I think sometimes has been hard. So I've, I've been really working hard to try and take some of those barriers away, trying to allow my team to do the right thing for the user in front of them, right, without constraint, um, to feel very empowered to do that. Um, so that's the transition that we're, we're, we're trying to make, more partnering, more empowerment, um, and, and, you know, really, really much better kind of a closeness to the workings of the university. Last thing that I wanted to ask you, um, as we've mentioned uh, at the beginning of the interview, uh, this is the start of a new year. It's kind of looking ahead. Um, when you look to the future, you, you've talked a lot about kind of, kind of connecting to the mission and so on. But what, what, is, what is the team? What is the org that you are trying to build? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to build, um, you know, a leading team within the HE sector, um, you know, a progressive team, yeah, a, a team that has fun. I mean, you know, we it works, it takes up a big portion of our life. Um, and I, I think there's a chance to have, you know, play an incredible fulfilling role. UCL has, you know, big aspirations for the impact it will make in the world. I want my team to feel part of that. I want them to feel like they're really contributing um, and working together to achieve those university goals. Um, so yeah, big, big plans. Um, and I think some really exciting times ahead for the team. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this morning. I hope that the new academic year goes well, not just for your team, but for for the teaching faculty and the students uh, coming back. So, so fingers crossed it is as normal as it can be. And um, best of luck. Really good to speak to you. Thank you very much. You know what? I think for all that we were talking about HE being different to commercial and, and having some really interesting kind of challenges, where there are areas in HE that they need to, um, I suppose, catch up with the rest of the market and are doing so is around the idea that technology is is truly the business rather than a support function mm. um and i think in in a lot of businesses even prior to what happened with covid mm. tech was the enabler tech was the thing that was at the heart of what they did when you look at media and so on and i think obviously the pandemic has accelerated that we've spoken at length about how the, it's accelerated digitalization across lots of sectors and and universities and higher education are absolutely one of those sectors where because because students have not been physically able to be present they've had to think about how technology delivers teaching and how it can make a real difference um when we've all been thrown into this situation yeah and i, and I think i think obviously one of the things that you mentioned on the um in, in the interview as well about actually being at the heart of things i think he mentioned he, he said something along those lines for me that res resonated to say that even though the brand the institution ucl for all its um rich history and all its rich like heritage what they're looking to do is still very like now and and present and you know it's very like 21st century sort of um 2021 you know what they want to do with technology in terms of getting to every student getting to every staff member um bring everyone on a on a platform i'm assuming you know things like that that they want to do from a technology standpoint um they're actually making it very very 
you know, m- making it no different to some sort of funky tech startup in the East End of London. Um, mm. You know, and then the kind of vision and ambition um, that they have is is good. And I think they they probably had to get propelled into that sort of position. The pandemic may or may well, may have kind of helped them to to you know just fast forward and 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 bring ideas into fruition a lot quicker than possibly could have taken. But I think all businesses saw that, right? Like our own mm. business, I think a lot of ideas and things were acted upon quicker because we were pushed up against time and, and, and the pandemic because of that and had to make certain business decisions. But given that, I think what these guys can do and, and what what um, what Andy's planning on doing actually with the management, with the team, I think it's great, like what he's looking to build in and, and do. I think, I think when you're looking at that team building piece and you're bringing people into an organization, you're asking them to really kind of buy into that mission. You know, for a start, you could go to a to a, to a commercial organisation, and it could it could be a great organisation with great culture, but ultimately maybe they're just about making money for shareholders. This is about enriching students' lives. Mm. This is about research, um, in scientific research and endeavour. And I think that is something that that can be tapped into to to make a real difference. And that that's always been the case with higher education. But I, I also think where you're kind of looking at empowering and driving an organisation forward, it's a really interesting environment for for a technologist to go into, because if you think about uh, a, a standard commercial organisation, it's fairly standard at what you know. Everyone's kind of at the same level with regards to technology. Mm. Like we're all on different systems, maybe, but none of them are. They're all they're all of kind of a, of a level. Whereas you go into a university. And you'll have some faculties and, and parts of the university and some and some rooms where the tech probably is horribly antique and mm. legacy-esque and, and needs serious updating. And then you'll you'll have scientific kind of endeavor going on where they're using really old tech because it's the only tech that really exists that could do with updating. And then you'll also have like cutting edge stuff. Mm. At the other extreme, you'll have people using like especially from a science point of view, like absolute cutting edge, data-heavy systems that are Mm. super interesting. And like finding that balance and and getting a team that supports the mission and and can really help drive that organization forward when you're dealing with such a diverse environment must be a really interesting challenge. And I think could be that kind of glue that helps you build a team ethos and environment because it's, because it because it is unusual because it is not the norm if you're a technologist. Yeah, I, th- I think not only that, but like like you said, it, it's just the scale of technology used. From you know, I'm trying to think when I was at university, um, what what did I kind of use? I Excel and Word maybe, and and I just did a bog standard business degree. But like you said, those that are doing like PhD research into you know, biology or biotech and, and science and these sorts of things, the, the technology that they would be using would be crazy compared to, let's say, a bog standard fresher uh, first year who's just using like a Microsoft Office, you know, kind of package. So, you know, the, the difference between those two is crazy. But then also having having the setup to support, um, you know, kind of both types of people, um, and that's just two scenarios. It could be anything else in between. Oh, well. yeah. I mean, um, if you think about, you know, it's much easier for our environment to go, you can't use Dropbox. You can't yeah. use this. You can use that. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're coming into the office, the Wi-Fi, you know, 
don't upload or download ridiculous like you've you've got people using technology in a far more flexible and fluid way i think in an institution like ucl mm. to an institution like harvey nash for, for <laughs> you know for pretty obvious reasons and we don't we don't have any any scientists yeah. dealing with ridiculous data sets trying to oh. kind of come up with an algorithm to cure cancer to be perfectly frank it's yeah can you find a cv yeah. um so <laughs> But I think that's cool. I think, you know, from a team building point of view, it must be really interesting for someone like Andy to mm. to have a team that's got those challenges and that is dealing with this really varied, interesting population of students mm. and academics and teaching staff and so on. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and I think that variation probably just, I mean, I don't know, but it would probably just make his job a lot more kind of colourful and... Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it would it would be something that he could really feel like a, a level of accomplishment, I guess. Um, I would feel like that, you know, if you managed to kind of absolutely nail and secure different elements of your role and make sure that mm. the environment and the technology kind of landscape and that kind of service that you're meant to be providing, you know, the business is there for everyone to use however they want to use it. Um, yeah. So I think it's it's very, very good as well, yeah. Well, look, I want to say thank you to Andy for being our guest across these two episodes. Akish, I'm going to keep you for a tiny bit longer because after the ad break, we're going to talk very quickly about Facebook mm. uh, and Facebook in a very face-literal way, which I'll I'll make sense for you in a second. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Right, welcome back. I'm going to read this very quickly, uh, this this sentence from an article that if it doesn't make you either laugh or be scared or be intrigued, then I'll be very surprised. Facebook lives in your pocket on the web and if you've bought the company's portal call, video calling device, even in your kitchen, now it wants to find a home on your face. Cue, cue a quiche looking confused find a home on your face find a home on your face this is the announcement that they have launched um ray-ban story smart glasses what yeah ray-ban yeah. story yeah so basically the wayfarer style specs that yep. feature a pair of cameras for photos and videos as well as a microphone and speaker christ almighty <laughs> Didn't didn't um didn't Snapchat have this like a few years ago? They tried, yeah. We've had like Google Glass and Snapchat yeah, 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 and stuff, yeah, and it yeah. hasn't quite taken off. But yeah, so the company has created its first smart glasses, pair of cameras to take photos and videos, a microphone speaker to listen to your podcast, and a voice assistant to tell you to do the whole thing hands free. If the whole thing sounds and looks familiar, it's because concept bears a heavy resemblance to Snapchat's spectacles. Mm. Uh, now in their third generation, not the first time Facebook has been heavily inspired by the younger company, um, and 
even the name of the glasses feels sure to rub salt into the wound. They've they've been named stories, apparently in homage to the social media format invented by Snapchat founder Even Spiegel. Um, yeah, that was obviously adapted by um, Instagram. <laughs> I think I, it's a bit worrying, right? Because you don't know that if someone's just recording you. Mate, I was literally saying the exact... I was literally just thinking the exact same thing. Because... Okay, put it put it this way, right? I was I was um I was making some videos yesterday um off uh, yeah. a few colleagues of mine. Um, if anyone is unsure, is unsure, Akish is hungover. He was out yeah, last yeah. night. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I was making a few videos um because yeah. one of my colleagues was struggling to you know put his shoes on after a very drunken state uh, or tie up his laces. Was it your boss, Rodri? No, it wasn't my boss, Rodri. No, he oh, was. Okay. <laughs> it was another guy. Um, but anyway, he, you know, the whole point is, I was trying to make the video on the slide because he was getting very annoyed and frustrated. But yes. if you have stuff like that, you will never be able to tell, like, the cameras on you. You know what you're trying to say. I, oh. I don't know. Like, uh, I, I don't. I don't really know. Like a privacy thing. But then again, like, if someone, if someone comes and puts a camera in your face you know so you would be like a bit like whoa hang on what are you doing right yeah yeah whereas if someone's just kind of looking at you they've got a pair of sunglasses on yeah i mean there will be that thing that you know like mate you're doing like a rachel stevie wonder impression why you're wearing sunglasses inside mm. that that might be a giveaway but <laughs> you know stands to reason that if they get this right they'll they'll kind of adopt it into standard specs but do you do you think uh, how how does it work like can can you do you have to have them on in order to record or can you just leave them like lying somewhere and they can start recording um i don't really know i don't know the science behind it i, I mean they, know, I, yeah it's it's so the glasses are on sale so we must be able to find this out for 299 pounds <clears throat> i'm just watching a video on cnn um with Mark Zuckerberg giving us the old, uh, you know, modelled approach to say this is how you wear it, and also they've partnered up with Ray-Ban, so uh, that means that uh, there's some real good sponsorships on there. Yeah, right. right. There. So here we go. This is what I assumed. I didn't want to kind of to second guess, but there is a capture LED hardwired to the camera that shines a white light when you're taking photos or videos nearby to notify people nearby. So mm. there is that. But I would imagine that people will find hacks for stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, true. They'll just, yeah, someone will figure something out. I, I think it's a, it's an interesting step. Um to kind of obviously they want Facebook to be kind of completely ingrained, and obviously Facebook means Instagram completely ingrained in your daily experience. Mm. Um, and and putting Facebook on your face seems to be the way forward. But I don't know. I, I find it a bit weird. I I also think that that people will find a way to kind of make it less obvious when they're recording or not. And and if you're drunk on a night out, then it's super easy for that light to flick on and and you're not yeah. to be aware. Whereas someone physically getting a phone and it's a lot it's a lot less it's a lot yeah. more subtle isn't it yeah and i i also think personally i think when we talk about i mean i'm not really in favor of this because then all you're doing is you're wearing something with a view of right i must record or you know this is going to be part yeah. of my story and, and whatever i just think in age where we are and me and you both like social media and, and you know yeah. a lot of it kind of helps towards 
this type of you know podcast or our work and things like that so there is oh, a yeah, bit yeah. Of social media we're not saying that but i think sometimes things like this it's just maybe a bit too much well know. like you know we were at the cricket yeah and i wanted to take a few pictures and add to the story and stuff and be mm. like hey at the cricket that's cool and mm. i recorded i recorded the first ball of the england innings but there is an element that if you watch it through phone screen you're not really present you're not really watching it mm. So I didn't want to do too much of that. You capture a little bit because it's like, hey, cool, post yeah. it. But actually, you just want to watch it. Yeah. I think yeah. if you've got this on your face all the time, making you think, oh, record this, that's that's a bit of a shame. Yeah. Maybe they're saying that you, you because you're wearing them, it's not as it's not getting in the way like a phone would be. But True. Uh, True. interesting. Anyway, Keish, thank you for your marathon effort this Friday. <clears throat> no problem at all. We got through it. We got through it. And uh, yeah. To, to any viewers, uh, we've recorded this again in one day, and uh, I don't. Uh, Keisha's just... really got drunk three times. Yeah, I don't just get drunk every night before <laughs> before we get onto a podcast. <laughs> Christ, oh dear. Well, look, everyone else, have a lovely weekend, and uh, I guess my holiday is coming to an end, so I'll I'll be back next week as well. <laughs> See you then. I don't care. I'm not